In a world where entertainment is randomly scattered across Wikipedia, and no one can be sure of anything. Citation needed! Two men stand alone. They are Ben Graw, I'm Earth's last hope, and Garth Remington. Does it come with a pickle or is that extra? And word on the street is, they're gonna clean up Wikipedia. Yo, I heard word on the street is, they gonna clean up Wikipedia. And while they're fighting a tide of information, their fans are fighting tides of hot girls hitting on them. You listen to Wiki Review? That's hot. But sometimes you have to go off page to get the job done. I got the internet breathing down my neck because you're rogue hot shot rating system! This isn't a podcast. This is the Wiki Review. Cover like, ha ha ha, this is hysterical. I feel like I shouldn't be admitting that on a podcast. I'll always love you. And welcome to Wiki Review. I'm Ben Graw. I'm Garth Remington. And on this episode, we have a very funny topic. Probably one of the funniest topics we've done since we did the Wikipedia page for joke. Because on this episode, we're doing the Wikipedia page for comedian. Guy walks into a bar. Take my wife, please. And how did that cocaine get up your ass if you've never seen it before? Is this thing on? <laughs> have you have you heard that one before? Oh, sorry, your mic wasn't on. I'll turn it on now. Oh, thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing the page for Comedian. Which yes. something that you and I know a little bit about. We have mentioned this before, that Comedian is the most generalized topic where apparently anyone can have this title. You know what they say? Everyone's a comedian. Which is really infuriating to people who actually are comedians. But when you say comedian, when I say comedian, I usually think of stand-up. Yes, not just anyone who's been on Saturday Night Live. Or someone who's been in a comedy movie. Totally different and it's not fair. But uh, it starts by saying that a comedian or comic is a person who seeks to entertain an audience by making them laugh. Which is very vague, but it does require an audience. Is there any difference between comedians or comics? I've Ah, heard some people argue this. It actually says this right here and the first person I heard say it was Steve Allison a comic says funny things a comedian says things funny it's an old adage apparently attributed to Ed Wynn yeah do you know who Ed Wynn is he's someone who you would know but you don't know you know him his most famous part is he was the voice of the Mad Hatter in the animated ah the clown voice that I do yes the clown voice that everyone does is Ed Wynn and that's how he sounded in everything that was just his His voice voice. he was Kind of like the Christopher Walken of his day. Because that reminds me of the comedian Stephen Wright. Because everyone goes, oh, he's the deadpan. If you don't know him, I got around to reading the dictionary. Turns out the zebra did it. He does this really funny voice. Like, how did you come up with that voice? He's like, this is just my voice. I just talked and it happened. It was like, that's genius. You're a genius. We used to work with a comedian that had a very, like, 
Stephen Wright sort of style. And he had the same thing where that's just how he sounded off stage as well. You know what I'm talking about? I think I do. Are we are we saying who it is? No, no. I'll have to delete this, but Mike Shanahan? Yeah, yeah. I actually yeah, yeah. Worked, <laughs> I've been working with him recently. Oh, really? Still going? Still going. Yeah, he does... Uh, you know what? We're, if we're not saying names, let's not give hints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there were a few guys who got that. We had... Uh, Australia had the goblet guy. The goblet guy. Goatee and glasses. I don't uh, know if I saw him. I think his last name... Last name was Goblet? Gordon Goblet, something like that. Maybe we should look that up. But he didn't talk with a slow voice. He talked very quick. I noticed one of the frames in my house was sideways. So now I have to stand on an angle. Like he talked like that, but it was just one-liners like that. Oh, yeah. I guess if you're going to do one-liners, it's good to have a funny voice. Because the king of the one-liners, self-declared king of the one-liners, uh, Henry Young. Who's Henry Young? He's the guy who said, take my wife, please. Ah, I mean, that is a classic. Yeah. Still being told today. I mean, and it's 2020. That probably doesn't hold up now, actually. Yeah, that's a horrible, horrible joke. Yeah. It, it's it's what they call boomer humor. Boomer humor. I like that. Because it's that... Uh, one adage I have heard, you know, uh, a boomer's joke. I hate my wife. A millennial's joke. I hate my life. <laughs> and then a Zuma or whatever comes next is just some random crap. Globama. That's a picture of Obama if he was a globe. <laughs> <laughs> Just memes. Yeah, I, you know what? The future's going to be all right. It's in safe hands. I like where these kids are going. Uh, I don't know. I sometimes do think of the internet itself as a comedian. And it, it's one of the funniest ones out there. It's true. And it's constantly coming up with the material. Yeah, you can't beat it. And it's fine repeating jokes over and over and over. Mm. Yeah, at nauseum. Which, if you've ever hung out with comedians, that's pretty accurate. Oh, he's, he's doing his set again. It is weird, though. Like, you just see a picture of a kid making a fist, and then it's amazing the amount of people who are just like, I've got a caption that I need to add onto this. And still to this day, new captions are being added, even though if you search, like, success kid, it's just going to fill up your screen with people who have already pitched ideas. And it's like, no, I, I think there's still something to say. And, yeah, I've still got something to say. And it's because that's now considered like a punchline. It's a, a setup to a joke. My favorite one at the moment, the lion, the witch and the audacity of this bitch <laughs> where someone says something really arrogant. I like it. It rhymes. It reminds me of the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, which is a book I liked when I was a kid. Yeah. Jokes that rhyme are funnier. It's true. That's y why funny songs are good. And that is something I've always snuck into my routine where I could. If I can add a rhyme, I will do it every freaking time. I do remember like when just I then. <laughs> I didn't even spot that. <laughs> uh -huh. But you laughed. I do remember when I was doing comedy that musical comedians were often looked down upon by other comedians. But I don't know. I always thought that it was a little funnier. It, I always liked when there was a musical act on. Yeah, musical acts are great. It does have a much different talent set, which is good. And it's good to break up the show. And people do really enjoy musical comedy more. But it's like prop comics where people go, oh, you're just hiding behind things. It's supposed to be, it, it's stand up, man. It's supposed to be just me and the microphone, you know, I don't need any glitz or glam. But also musical comedians have that advantage of if no one's laughing, it's okay because you can't hear because there's a guitar playing. Oh, and then they stop and get that really good effect of like, oh, it's silent now and I say something. And everyone goes, oh, oh, that was different. I also think that musical comedians have that advantage that they're still funny and sometimes even funnier the second time you see them. Yeah. 
Yes. Because if you see like a normal comic and you've heard their set before, you're like, oh, I've heard this. But when you hear like a song come on, you're like, oh, this song's really funny. Because you listen to the lyrics more because last time I took you by surprise. Now you're like, no, I know it's funny. I want to hear all the bits I missed. That's so true. And when they do parodies, mm. David Eastgate is a brilliant comedian. I love that guy. And he's been around. I think he's up in Brisbane at the moment. And to this day, there are songs I don't know the real words to because I know his parody. You know the Powderfinger guy? Up so early, feels so shite. I don't yes. know the actual words. I know David Eastgate's words. <laughs> yeah, I know the song you're talking about too, but yeah, I only know his version. No idea what the actual Was song- Was it James Blunt or something like that? No, no, no. The lead singer of Powderfinger. I don't know what his real name is. I never looked too far into it, but that yeah. was always good. I did like the music. What was the one he had about being lost in Bunnings? I don't know. And it was from a famous song that every time it comes on, I think of that song. Yeah, he was good. He still is. Still cranking out the tunes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I talk about all these people in past tense. It's not that they've gone anywhere. It's that I did. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's only, hey, I saw him 10 years ago and he was great. Oh, I'm here to report. Still great. Still doing his thing. He's rocking it. <laughs> uh, it's good to know the local circuit's still going well. Yes, indeed. Uh, but yeah, so here it did say, I did actually see that where they talked about prop comics. Where are uh, cheaters. <laughs> oh, because this might be through, it's the second sentence. That's how far I got in. Comics and comedians, people who make you laugh. This might be through jokes or amusing situations or acting foolish as in slapstick or employing prop comedy, which I kind of like that idea of, just act foolish. I do think anytime someone is making fun of prop comedy, I feel like they're specifically making fun of Carrot, Carrot Top. Because name another <laughs> prop comic. Can you name another prop comic? Because do you reckon he feels that way that every slight at prop comedy is really just a slight at him? It really is. And he's very aware of this. Have you seen the movie The Critic, which is Jamie Kennedy's movie? Yes. Yeah, it's genius. Every comedian had to see it. It's called The Heckler. It's about heckling. And he interviews Carrot Top. He's like, look, I don't get it. Like, yeah, I'm aware of all the shit people throw on me. But every night I do a sellout show and everyone laughs. Comedians, especially stand-ups, are very anti a lot of things. And Carrot Top was the guy. This is the big story. In the episode of Seinfeld, they had a special guest appearance from Don Herrera. And he plays a prop comic in which he pulls out like a plastic gun on Jerry and George, you know, who's trying to act heroic in front of a woman, like throws up. Yeah. Throw, uh, runs off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was all done because that year, the comic of the year, according to all stand-up comedians, especially in New York, was supposed to be Don Herrera because that was his standout year. But the winner of the comic of the year was Carrot Top. <laughs> That's awesome. So they said, you're going to be in Seinfeld playing a prop comic. And then they gave him shit for being a prop comic. <laughs> He's like, put all the shit you want on me. So Screw Carrot Top. So the reason I think everyone really hates Carrot Top, and I think he's funny from the little I've seen, you know, he's as good as anyone else. The one story I always think of when I think of Carrot Top is from Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller, where he said that he was hanging out with Carrot Top one time because they both work in Vegas. And so he was out the back of a show, like talking to him and hanging out. And someone came around with a camera and was taking like pictures back backstage and so Penn sort of like moved to the side so he would be away from Carrot Top because he was like I don't know if I, I want to be in a picture with Carrot Top oh this guy's Carrot Top I'm Penn like yeah there was a moment apparently Carrot Top came up to him and said Penn are you embarrassed to be in a picture with me <laughs> 
<laughs> he actually we- confronted him with he it. He did. Apparently, it's something that comes up often. People are like, oh, you're a great guy and I like talking to you. Oh, someone's taking pictures. Look, I can't be seen, seen with, with you. you. Like, I don't want people thinking I'm endorsing your act or asking me <laughs> questions about you. Look, you know I like you, but you're also aware that you could kill my career. We're secret friends. <laughs> you suck. I'll always love you. <laughs> <laughs> but then apparently, yeah, Penn was willing to pose for pictures with him because he felt like he was a bit of a dickhead. I think it's more he got called on it. He got called on it. He's just like, yep, yeah, yeah, you called it right. <laughs> uh, there's a show called This Is Not Happening where it's mainly comics, but a lot of different people tell stories. And Carrot Top came on and told a story about how he has his prop trunk mm. with all his props that he travels with. And he left it at a comedy club and it got burnt down and that's it. His props are gone. This is the problem with being the prop comic. That's his ass. Act. You have your set. You have your jokes. You can do that anywhere. But he had his act burn. So basically gave everyone a really fucked up scavenger hunt. <laughs> like, look, okay, we're going to rebuild my act. I need you to get like a, a dildo that's green. I need you to find three nails. <laughs> and everyone all got together and like rebuilt his act. You reckon like there was some things like, look, I couldn't find the green dildo, but in fairness, it wasn't that funny a joke, dude. Like, do you reckon <laughs> you really need it? It wasn't your aid level. It wasn't the three nails. Like that bit hysterical. Everyone loves the three nails. Would have gone to the end of the earth to find those three nails for you. <laughs> or if someone came back and went, look, I know you've got your green dildo joke, but you know what would be funnier? Blue dildo. Uh, Isn't that way funnier? You should do that from now on. In fact, that's the prop I got you, so you have to do the joke I thought of. (laughs) That's not my joke. It is now. (laughs) But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like Mitch Hedberg said, like, my job as a comedian is to think of funny things and I have to write them down. So when I think of something funny, I have to be able to convince myself it's not funny enough to get up and get a piece of paper to write it down. See, I guess Carrot Top's version of that would be he would be in a store, he would see something and be like, oh my God, I could use this for a joke. It'd be hysterical. Is that the price? Oh, it's not that funny. It's not like $55 funny. Yeah. (laughs) Because I wonder what that is for him. Like what the price range is because there'd be some jokes that are like, this is so funny. I have to have it. He would know how much money he makes from a joke and how long he can use that same joke because he'd have a cycle. I sort of come across that in filmmaking a bit too. I'll write a script and I'll be like, ha ha ha, this is hysterical. But then you've got to actually make the stuff. And I had something that I wrote in a script, probably like only a quarter of a page, half a page max. And the joke would involve me getting a fake toilet. Yeah, that's... And having somewhere where I could put that fake toilet where it plausibly looks like where a toilet could be. I can't just put it in a living room. I've got to put it in a bathroom. And doing the math on this quarter of a page of like, I'd have to buy like a toilet. I'd have to figure out how to put it in. Maybe I could put it in my bathroom if I put this frame around my real toilet because you can't just disconnect a toilet because I'd have to get a plumber in and that would cost a fortune. Yeah. And then I'm like looking at this joke and it's like 600 bucks to get like this quarter of a page done. And it's a funny joke. It's just not $600 funny. (laughs) There's no return on that. And we have done that a lot when we filmed of like, if we can reuse it, that's how we've gotten pretty much most of our things. Because on standalone, anything we filmed, like if you said, we're going to get this one time only thing, we go, no, I'm not not spending money on that. Mm. But I convince myself, no, I'll just be a wizard in everything from now on. (laughs) It's fine. 
fine. Like, do you know how much use we're going to get out of a wizard costume? I'm never going to get out of it. And then we start like making up premises where we come up with a sketch where we go, okay, we're going to do this sketch. Okay, we need this costume or this prop. And then we just create all these premises that that prop or costume is going to be in. Never happens, but we're totally convinced. This is it. We have to get it now. We might be losing money if we don't. I mean, check our YouTube channel. You know we got the use out of the green screen. That is something that keeps on giving. Yeah, yeah. I bought that and go, we're using this now. But that makes sense because that's just like saying, hey, you know how we can't always go and find a background? Now we can. It's just a cheap background. It's great. Yeah, that was a problem solver just to the location issue. When you're trying to make videos, having like locations that don't repeat themselves is a very difficult thing. And when you consider it's get a green screen for however much it costs, which not as much as you'd think but more than you'd want to spend that's how i'd price it compared to the lighting you'd have to spend to go to the actual place to do it the actual lights you'd need to make it as good as what it looks like in front of a green screen in a controlled environment though i do like the idea of us doing the wikipedia page for comedian which is like meant to cover all comedians and then just talking about carrot top the entire time oh he's great isn't he (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah i kind of like that that is a good spin like a shout out to him he's a brave man yeah no one would have seen that coming there's not enough time given to carrot top no one acknowledges him enough i saw him go on jay leno and like yeah he did the comedy slot where he came out and did his bit and like he's he worked hard like he didn't necessarily get the best response but he did do okay i think he thought he was doing poorly but he was still working it and you can see afterwards jay had tooed on him jay did not have a part in this he was like oh yeah yeah you're on my show all right you, you did your thing you can go now <laughs> whereas usually he's like oh another comic let's talk about things like jay you're supposed to be nice could you be the carrot top of anything i kind of feel i am <laughs> i'm the carrot top of most things i do like <laughs> i'm the carrot top of podcasting yeah i'm really good but underrated and everyone hates me <laughs> One other thing about Carrot Top I've noticed that I don't think he was this way to begin with because he was kind of a skinny dude. He is bulk. Yeah, he did get very muscular. It looked weird. I think it's a reaction to everyone says you suck and now he's gone to the gym. All he does is just lift weights. Like he's got huge biceps, a huge chest. And now it's like, were you going to say something? No, Carrot Top. Just I love the thing about the straws that you've taped together. That was really funny. Yeah. How many times can you threaten to bash a guy before he's like, I should probably just bulk up. If I'm going to pursue this career, I need to be able to fight. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I would criticize Carrot Top to his face, not with how he looks now. It's just that it was considered okay. It, everyone decided, here's a guy we're going to th- drop crap on. Yeah, let's all jump on it. And it became like a cool thing to do. Because look at Don Herrera now. He is a legend. There is no doubt about it. He is a legend. He has the best set. I've heard his half an hour. And let me tell you, he has the best five minutes I've ever heard. And he's still Still got it. (laughs) He still has that five minutes. In fact, he's incorporated his entire act around the fact that that's what he does. My point is, Don Herrera's stuck in a place. And it's a good place. It was funny. And he will always have uh, an audience for that. Carrot Top keeps doing new jokes. He's evolving. He's got a new set. He tours. He does things. So who really won? And I do believe it came from that. Like, Don Herrera is a very, like, New York, I'm a cool comedian guy. So you get that sort of, like, I'm in the club. Carrot Top, you're a prop comic, so you're not in the club. And everyone, yeah, we hate him. But so it really is just a guy who's not as good, like... 
time has told the tale. Yeah, I think back in the old days when you look at all of the older comics, they tended to only have like an hour and a half to two hours worth of material and would do that over and over again, do little five minute segments on like The Tonight Show and build from that. But these days, like ever since when DVDs of comedy started coming out, that's when it became this market of just like write an act, put it on DVD, next year do a completely different act. And it became a much more cycle thing. And when you see with podcasts, for example, everything is much more conversational, constant movement. You can't hear me do the same joke twice, which, yeah, like Bill Hicks is the ultimate example. Bill Hicks was the man, the myth. People still worship him. He had one act and he did it. And if you've ever heard his DVD or his CD, you've heard all of them. You heard one, you've heard them all because it's the same freaking thing. But that's what they did. And if you go back in time a little further, like uh, vaudeville and stuff, people would do that, not just comedy, but like juggling. And a guy would learn how to do a juggling act and he'd just do that forever. And then along came TV and the juggler would do his act on TV and it's like, well, that's it, you're done. I do remember hearing an interview with a juggler. I think he was like 50 years old. And he's like, I'm 50 and I have never had an actual job in my life. I have only juggled. I literally cannot do anything else. Like this is the (laughs) only thing I can do till I retire is this. That's kind of like a, hey, I've made it. It's sad, but it's also really happy. I'm struggling to find how I feel about that because do I pity him or do I envy him? Because he was getting work but he also wasn't famous because he's a juggler. I mean, you can't name a juggler. Uh, Yeah, no. (laughs) You are legitimately trying and then you just, no one famous for juggling. There was a guy who did like a triangle thing. I have no idea what his name was but he had like a perm. Well, that's the thing is you always remembered with jugglers what they did. Did. He's a face, not a name. I remember when I was a kid there was a guy, he was on like Hey Hey It's Saturday and did like the rounds on all these shows. Oh yeah. Called himself Bike Boy because he just had like brought a bike out and did like all these like nifty little tricks on it. And it's like, he knew no one was ever going to learn his name. They're just going to look at him and go, that's the Bike Boy. So he's just like, I'm just going to lean into that. He was ahead of the times because that's how you get a website and like, you know, when people Mm. Google you, Bike Boy. Ah, there he is. But yeah, but now it is more of a turnover. You got to come up with new stuff. Yeah, because you have by comparison people People like Kevin Hart or Gabriel and Glacius, Fluffy. I love Fluffy. Like they are churning it out every year. I think sometimes even multiple times a year they release mm. a show. Because even thanks to like now we're up to this day and age with like Netflix and stuff like that. Because it turns out that Netflix and Stan and all that, they love comedy. Every single one of them has like a section that's just filled with stand-up comedians. Yes. Knowing that like basically if you record an act that goes for an hour and a half, Netflix will probably buy it. Why not just go out and keep doing that? Well, this goes back to Comedy Central was what it originally was. You get your Comedy Central half hour and then if you became more famous, you get to do an hour. And I think it was Paul Jenny. You may know who he is or if you saw him, you go, oh yeah, that guy. But he talked about you come out in comedy and you finally break through. You get your first HBO Comedy Central show and they go, cool. And that's it. And then they go, okay, well, that's done. Now you've got to get rid of all that. What else you got? Then you come around and it's usually a year later. They go, what's the next one? That's okay, you do it. And then after the third one you're like oh that's like all my material i've just done like three hours of material and now you've 
they're like, well, you got to keep it going. Chris Rock, when he was touring, I don't know if he still does stand up anymore. I don't think he does so much these days. He, he doesn't need to. Would but what, he, would you? No, he, he worked very hard back mm. in the day. But I remember seeing things where he talk about like I do an hour and twenty minutes, uh, and then once it's done, I sell it. You know, they record it, sell it, and that's it. I don't do it anymore. But he has writers to help him. And like I know I'm talking about like that. It's you know that's what, what it used to be done. You do the same material, and that's okay because that's just what you'd see. There's uh, Michelle Wolf, who she's a very funny lady, and I saw her. She has a, in fact, her show's called Nice Lady, and it's a very funny uh, show. And she does some really good jokes in it. And then she came to Australia to do the Melbourne Comedy Festival, and she got to go on TV to do one of the galas where they just you know here's five minutes of my material so that everyone can you know come to my show. And she did the material that was in her special that I'd already seen. I was infuriated. <laughs> How dare you? I've already heard this from you, ma'am. You expect uh, what, what? Because we're from Australia, we didn't see your special. We all saw your special. That's why we're coming to see you. And you just did the material again. What are you going to do the same show? Why would I come to see you if you're doing the same material? Yeah, that is the one thing that is so weird is comedians are the one people in entertainment that can be kind of scared of becoming famous. Because I remember someone saying to me when I was like doing a show one time and they were talking about people recording you on their phones and putting it up on the internet. And someone said to me, go, imagine if someone recorded your entire act and put it up there and everyone saw it. Now it's just like everyone knows your thing. And I remember thinking, like, aren't I famous now? Well, yeah. Like, haven't I achieved the goal? Well, at a certain point, if I can't write new jokes, then I didn't deserve this job anyway. That is true. And that was the old adage, though, because we were learning from people and we were working with people who, well, that's where they were. They were club comedians. They've been a club comedian their whole life. They're 50 now. They're like the juggler. They're not going to get a real job. They can't do that. They're not good at anything else, but they have their set mm. and that's all they're going to do. Because I remember when those guys, yeah, you'd see them do the same joke every single time you saw them for years. And then they'd try something new and it wouldn't work. It would not work at all. And you could just see them like panic and freak out. They're out of their comfort zone. They do not like this. Then there are other people who just talk mm. and they could just keep it going. I set myself a little exercise because of uh, coronavirus lockdowns and everything. You couldn't do live stand up. I did a live stand up show just last week. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. How was it? It was good. Yeah. It was uh, in West End. Oh, here's a great little, little anecdote from it because... I knew it was West End and I had heard warnings from other comics who had done this room like the week before. They're like, it's West End. So it's like a West End attitude. What's a West End attitude? Uh, woke, I think is a good word to use for it. Like, oh, okay. Like politically charged. Like week before they had a lot of comedians who did racial jokes. Like there's an Indian comedian who did jokes about being Indian. And they were like, oh, I don't think I can laugh at this. That's that's not okay. I think there was- even- I respect your right to say it, but I cannot laugh at it. Exactly. That's not okay. You shouldn't mock your own race. Like the guy who gets great laughs at the Pado all over the place. His name's Sandeep. Sandeep Tuttling. And he's a great comedian. But they're like, what the hell, man? And everyone that night was doing one or two things that was racial. And they were fine. Then they do the racial joke. And I was like, that's not funny. (laughs) So I was aware of this. So I did a joke that was pandering to that crowd where I basically talked about uh, consent and stuff. It was great. I got a big cheer from something that wasn't even a joke. It was like, you know, why doesn't he learn the, the meaning? of consent everyone's like yeah 
Ah. <laughs> Me it, too. It, it really was. It was a group of, uh, I'm just going to assume they were lesbians. You know, when you see that group, like if they weren't lesbians, that's cool, but they looked like lesbians and that's also cool. But then oh. after I did that little like, yay, look at me, I knew my audience, up gets this fella, Luke, and he's more of a, I want to say like a Winnem comedian. <laughs> he would do very well in RSLs and he did a joke <laughs> where the punchline was, and she didn't even make me a sandwich. <laughs> I'm at the back laughing my ass off. I always loved that when you saw a comedian tell an offensive joke and you just looked and went, dude, wrong crowd. Yes. Wrong crowd. But what was so funny is he knew it as he was saying it. Like, he's going through the joke and he's sort of like, because men are like this. But women, women, you don't understand because men are like this. I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well for you, buddy. Oh, my God. He's doing the sandwich bit. (laughs) He's moving up to it. And as he's going through it, you can see, like, he's got in his eyes like, this is the wrong place, but I've committed to telling this joke. I'm going to tell the joke. He's thinking of like different punchlines he can throw in and said, someone, I didn't even make her a sandwich. I should have made her a sandwich. But even after he said it, didn't even make me a sandwich. He goes, yeah, I just, that's a new bit. He had to pull out the, oh, it's a new joke. Yeah. (laughs) I always like seeing comedians who like, oh yeah, that's a new one. You're like, no, that's been in your act for like the past six months. I've heard you say that so many times, dude. (laughs) But that was my little fun tidbit from that room. Watching a guy going like, dude, you're in West End. What did you think was going to happen? Because you could see when he started it. And he's a funny guy too. He did a great job. And I've seen him around the traps and he does great. And it's just the right audience, you know? But you could see he started like, he'd clearly been in his world of like, oh, this is so funny. And all his mates agree, this is so funny. And he'd do it at other rooms. So funny. And then he does it there. And I was like, that's not funny. (laughs) And, And he looks like a guy who's not funny because it's just that room that night. I did have last year. I did a couple of shows and jumped back into stand-up for a little bit. And I do remember going there thinking like, okay, it's a different day and age since I've done it. I've had a couple of years off. Is it going to be more woke out there? Are certain things (laughs) not going to be even mentioned? But when I saw a lot of the open mic circuit, it went the complete opposite way where it was more comedians talking about like anti-PC. There's almost like this argument now of people get ahead of it. Like they'll make a joke about abortion and going people will probably complain about that but Mm. you know what I mean it's the biggest thing it's especially yeah open mic particularly Mm. where they do like yeah like a pedophile joke and go yeah I'm just so edgy you know they're probably going to complain about me no the problem is you're not funny and then you try to cover it like and that's a story as old as time the shock comedian who complains that he's too edgy no you just don't actually have a joke I always hate when people say something and they get defensive about people getting sent sensitive about it and it's like dude nobody said anything yet you haven't even given it time for anyone to respond we might Mm. just be like no that's all right we're fine with that as a joke saw that uh, a lot of comics and stuff come up about that on the internet where there was a good time of comedians going yeah they don't let me speak man but there were so many comedians saying it like i'm unique i have a unique voice but they won't let me say it man Mm. and they were all saying that and everyone heard them saying that yeah and no one was complaining the best example was the last roast i saw they did a roast 
of Alec Baldwin. Oh, yes. I know who you're going to talk. Adam Carolla? Yes. Yeah. And like the whole, because there's comedians who go on to roast and they're very good with their balance. Like, you know, because the idea is to put crap on this person. And some comedians went out there and they would do those jokes where it's like, I'm putting crap on him, but it's really about me. You know, I'm balanced. Yeah. You because know, I, I don't want to come off as a bad person because I want a career after this. And he got up, Adam Carolla got up, and the whole time he's just like, they won't let us make jokes. Oh, I know they're all going to complain about me. He didn't make any jokes. He just complained he couldn't make jokes. Yeah, I remember because I like Adam Carolla, but I remember seeing him do that bit and he went down a bit where I'm like, oh, do I not like him anymore? Is like the stuff he's producing now just like crazy and delusional like this? Because there were even things that throughout the night they were making jokes about him and going like, this person's almost as misogynistic as Adam Carolla. This person hates women almost as much as Adam Carolla. I'm like, is this something he's known for now? Like, I haven't been listening to him much recently. Does he just, like, <laughs> hate women and, like, rant about crazy shit now? It's about a market. Mm. You find the market and you follow it. And that's the market he got. Like, uh, incel guys. That's who buys his tickets. And I've always been the first to say that I don't care who it is. If they're willing to pay me money, yeah, I'll pander to them. I don't care. Well, it's one of those things is, sadly, the negative market is much easier to appeal to. Because let's say you decide you want to come across as a racist. Well, then you can just say a couple of racist things and people will go, you're a racist. But if you're coming across as anti-racist and then you just say one, one Questionable. Joke, just something that can even be pulled out of context. People will go, you didn't mean any of that stuff you said. Go but on. if you do racist rants and then just give money to a homeless black person, people aren't going to go, look, he was being nice to a black person. He doesn't mean all that racist stuff he was saying. <laughs> people will still believe you're racist. Exactly. It's easier to stay in the mud. Yeah, that's why like stuff like Donald Trump, where he's able to keep that loyal market because he's hitting the things that even when you contradict them, it Mm. doesn't hurt you. And it's pandering to a mob because the other side is also equally true in that if you want to get an audience, you know, you just, I'll be racist or I'll be misogynistic. And there's a a market for that. There are people who want to hear like, oh, I'm so sick of this PC stuff. You hear that everywhere. But the opposite is also true. Ellen is my example. Ellen was an amazing comedian. Like when she first came out, like first off, her TV show was great, but also her stand-up was phenomenal. She was like one of the best comedians I've ever seen. Neurotic comedy, she pioneered a lot of it. But then she came out as a lesbian and then this movement picked up of like, oh, she is like a symbol of women's movement, specifically gay movement, which was nice. That's nice. But then I saw her do a show where the crowd was essentially just lesbians and they were just there because she's their leader. (laughs) And it wasn't funny anymore. And I don't mean like it's not catered to me. She's just making jokes that aren't for me specifically. Like a lot of people will complain like that. But no, actually, she didn't have any jokes. She just did the uplifting like I did. Yeah, what's with consent? That's what I did. That's what she did. But she did it for like an hour. (laughs) I think that that is a common thing that happens when comedians become famous. They build that act and there's sort of that purity. But then once they've got an audience and an expectation, there's like, well, you need to make jokes about this and about this and about that. But I mean, she did very well with it and she went on to do the Ellen show and like be horrible to people and it's only just come out now that she's done that. Yeah, now she's going to lose her job. Whereas if she had just said, no, I reckon everyone should be horrible people then she could have been nice sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and then we'd be like, oh, cool, she's being nice today. That's nice. And said she said she was a nice person and then someone said, no, you're not and her career's over. Yeah. That's what you get for pretending you were nice or finally cracking after years of dealing with people. There is a point now where I don't think I would want fame beyond a certain level. I'm never concerned with fame. It's success in the industry that I want. If I could be a comedian forever, that would be 
just so good. The idea of being famous, it's only as relevant as it is like I need, because the game is you got to sell tickets. How do you get an audience? And it would be so cool. Like that would be really cool to have a huge audience, like a cult following. We always talk about that's probably the best result. Yeah. I would like to have like a loyal fan base, but like most people are like, oh yeah, that guy. Doug Stanhope said it best. I am only famous half hour before my show to a half hour after my show within a 20 meter radius, 20 <laughs> feet radius of my show. And that's after, awesome. After that, no one knows who I am. I cross the street. Nobody knows who I am. I go home. I do whatever. Nobody knows me. I get to the show. It's like, oh my God, it's Doug Stanhope. You're a god. <laughs> you're a god. And then the show ends like, you're a god. All right, we'll see you in the next show. And then he walks out and people are like, hey, buddy, out of my way. Who are you? That's a pretty good fame to have. I do like that idea of having a repeat audience because it is scary like in that club context of like, well, you write your jokes and then, oh, if people have already heard them, then, oh, that, that wrecks the act. But if you have people who are coming just to hear what you have to say, that's really cool. Yeah, that is cool. Like the idea of like, oh, guys, I've got something else I want to say. Yeah, really? Tell us. I remember when I first saw Jim Mowen live is I do remember sort of seeing the thing of watching him play off the character that he has created and stuff. But everyone there had seen him before before seeing his show knew who he was and so he was able to get away with little Jamoanisms, I guess and I thought like that would be really cool to just get to the point where I could just be me do Benisms do Benisms and people are just like <laughs> oh my god he's doing that thing that's funny oh that's the thing he does like Rodney Dangerfield no respect yeah. oh my god he said it yeah. he said the thing he always says we love it when he says the thing he always says but so what I've been doing recently this is what I, I got off track but uh, because of coronavirus it went a lot of shows so there were live streams which is essentially like a podcast but with visual <laughs> <laughs> so I decided I was going to do every time I did a live stream which I've done a, quite a few now go check my Facebook page they're probably on there every time I did a live stream I would do a one in a lifetime set that I would do it and never do it again and it's been a really good exercise for me more than anything because firstly you can't do a stand up set on a live stream because there's like three people in the room so normal stand up jokes don't work but I can now confidently write 10 minutes within a week which That's a useful skill think about that in the context to go back 10 years ago when we were doing comedy the concept of what you're just gonna write 10 minutes yeah i'll do it this week <laughs> that's insane you can't do that and as a result when i did the live show last week these are jokes i'm gonna keep and keep working over i did 10 minutes and i wrote all of that in like a week well that was even when we would do the things you wouldn't want to hear that was turning out like see how many jokes we can get off this premise and the the videos only went for like four minutes, but... The amount of jokes that everyone did was way more than that, like three times as much. Yeah, we always did way too many jokes for that. And it was always fun, especially at the start of the show, Garth and I would always get competitive. Yes. And I think there was a point where I can't even remember where it was, where it was just one of the nights took too long because... We'd written too many jokes. Yeah, we had like 60 or 70 jokes each or something. And it's like... This is ridiculous, dude. Dude, like seven or eight make it. Because we did say, oh, we'll do this many. Well, I'll do one more than you. Well, I'll do one more than you. Yeah, we would actually send each other things going like, I'm up to like 40 jokes. How many have you got? 42. I just said that because I meant 45. (laughs) <laughs> you fell into my trap. Well, now I know how many I've got to write. And I think that's what I would like to attribute to this whole being able to do 10 minute live stream things is because we were consistently writing new material of like, here's a premise, do it. And that is fun. How many can you write? We could do a show in front of 
front of the green screen here. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Get comedians in to do their sets. We absolutely or not sets could. Or what they wrote. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it could just be things you wouldn't want to hear. Here's the premise, and so it's just a like instead of cutting the footage, just print it as it is. So things you wouldn't want to hear from a police officer. It's just Christopher Martin doing a joke, but he doesn't have to redo it. Mm. Like don't redo it. Just do it, and then read your piece of paper and do the next one. It is the most casual taping. <laughs> I think it works because you don't have to edit anything. There is part of me that's thinking in my head going like, this is actually a good idea. We could do some like live streaming with comedy or improv or something like that. But then I know how I tend to get excited on the podcast sometimes and be like, oh my God, let's do this and this and this and this. And then it never comes up. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like we're all aware of your excitedness, Ben. I feel that like by saying like what my plans are with it, it will just lower my credibility when I don't actually follow through on said plans. Time capsule really got to you, didn't it? It really did. That sort of broke me. It was like, we sat on that for two years and it's like, really? We didn't do any of that stuff in two years? That's crazy. We were so sure we were going to. Yeah, I was like, oh, guaranteed. It will be done by the time this is out. We will be famous for this. Yeah, yeah. This will be a good retrospective when we've got our TV show and we can look back and release Time Capsule. It would be hilarious because you're like, ah, it didn't work out as we thought. It worked out so much better. No, we didn't do anything. Because I think the problem with Time Capsule is it was an anti-Time Capsule. Because the point of a Time Capsule is you look at it and go like, wow, in all this time, look how much we've changed. But when you listen to time capsule it's just like oh my god we're still talking about making this exact same stuff we literally have not changed i mean to be fair it was like two years yes maybe like that's not that long to hold a time capsule but still they're little five minute two minute sketches we should have had them done because we legitimately did record that episode two years earlier but it easily played like an episode that could have been recorded that week I know, it's so sad. (laughs) It's like, come on, progress. How is this stuff all still relevant? Yeah. It should be old news and we should be onto something different. Not like something that just came out and other stuff we still haven't recorded. Sad. But yeah, so we could totally do a live stream, but we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with that, eh? (laughs) Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I already mentioned, like, things you wouldn't want to hear from a superhero coming out. And, like, I I promised that a while ago, didn't I? That should come out, like, in a week or two. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you were, like, confident it was coming out, like, straight away. Like, we'll just tag it on the end. Yeah. It's technically season two, but it'll come the week after season one finishes. So, it'll just be just just an extra episode, you know? Yeah. Where is that, Ben? Yeah, yeah. Three to six years. I don't know. You'll, you'll, You'll get it. Well, usually it takes, what, a year or two for us to actually get it to publish. So we're still ahead of schedule. Yeah, we did film it, though. So I just got to cut it together, which now just makes me sound like the lazy one. Well, you have to do all the work. You're the lazy one in that, well, yeah, you're not doing the thing, but I never do the thing. (laughs) Yeah, Garth and Adam didn't edit it either, so. (laughs) We just rocked up. But no, that's good. Yeah, we got Adam back, who was in our politicians episode. So we all got to be superheroes and it was great. And I think it's going to come out very nice. I think with everyone else, we said like, oh, come in and do this premise. He came to us and said he wanted to do politician, but he also came to us and said he wanted to do superhero. So he's the one guest who came in and like demanded his own episodes, like or demanded what the episode was. He knows what's funny. To be fair, we did say, hey, if you've got a premise, like, yeah, we'll run with it. A lot of people went politician. Sorry, Adam's already done that. Yeah, that was a good one that he jumped on early. He was very clever. He knew how to get in there quick. Yeah, but then even when everyone was like, oh, damn it, the good one 
picked. And then he's like, superhero. And everyone's like, damn it. Why didn't I think of that? It seems so obvious. It's just like, yeah. So maybe we should just let Adam pick the premises from now on. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> he is good at it. You reckon he could pick the Wikipedia pages too? <laughs> Adam could just tell us what we're doing from now on. I would take his advice. That'd be a good segment. Welcome to Wiki Review. Hey, Adam. Yeah, it's us. Yeah, yeah, you're on Wiki Review. Yeah. What are we doing? Spoons. Okay. And if you like to scoop stuff, then this episode's for you because we're doing the Wikipedia page for spoons. Enjoy your ice cream. And off we go. I mean, we were talking about that a little before we were recording, like the vague format to wiki review. I mean, if you can call it a format. (laughs) (laughs) We can. I don't know if other people will. But talking about like just that idea of things that we started like 90 something episodes ago that we're sort of like held to of like how we run the show, the rating system. Imagine if from episode one, it's like, I got a funny bit. We'll just call this guy up Adam at the start of every show. Uh... And now we're up to like, what, episode 98? And it's just like, yeah, Adam, it's us again. You couldn't hide the disappointment in his voice. Like, could you all just do this in one, like, recording? Like, I'll just say a bunch of things on the phone. No, 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 no. It's got to be every week. (laughs) We have to annoy you every week. Because I have been asked by people, like, is there any debate between us when we've got to pick episodes? And I'm like, legitimately, the only debate that we have is going, no, it's your week to pick. Exactly. I don't want to pick. You pick. And- I don't think we've actually talked about there is an ongoing game where we're always trying to convince the other person it's their turn. (laughs) That is true. We do do that. Like when you call me up and it's your turn, are you ready to do a podcast? Like, yeah, it's your pick today. One time I want to get you. Just one time. One time. Which we've gotten close sometimes before. I have legitimately had you go like first you're shocked. And then you're furious, like, like, you look like you're about to hit me, like, and then you come back with, like, no, no, because, no, like, like you had already thought about this, gone, it can't be my turn, it's his turn, because last time I did this, and no, no, no. I think there was one where, I'm trying to remember if you didn't remember, or if you legitimately didn't know what you were doing, like, you knew it was your turn, but you hadn't thought of it, or if you went, oh, wait, no, no, there has been one where you just had happened to have one up your sleeve, but you legitimately forgot that it was your turn. Yes, that has happened. Which went, oh, thank God, I've let, you know, I had one in the back. It's funny that I've never thought it's my turn when it's not. <laughs> it's just the one when it was my turn, I completely <laughs> forgot it was. I've never turned up here going, well, clearly it's my turn. And you go, actually, it's my turn. It never happens that way. We know when it's the other person's turn to pick. Yeah, I do feel a kind of relief when it's your turn to pick. Because then there's, there's also that fun of it of just like, what are we going to talk about tonight? Like, yeah. it's exciting. I see this a lot in improv too, where if you make the choice, then everyone's fine. Like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. Like, everyone else is fine. If you pick something, I'll be like, yeah, that's cool. I'll do that. But when you make the pick, you're like, is it a good pick? Oh, no. Oh, is that good enough? No one else really cares. Look, we're just going to talk about whatever anyways. <laughs> oh, that's like you'd go to a restaurant with anyone if they'll pick the restaurant. Yes. As soon as they say to you, like, let's go to a restaurant. Where do you want to go? You're just like, I don't know if I want to go anymore. I <laughs> pick a place. But if you had a place in mind and you can vouch for this place, yeah, I'll check it out. Because if someone says to you, I have a great place. Oh, share. Although I do have this thing where I'll eat anything. Mm. And this might be a condition that we both live with uh, women. 
I don't want to speak for Shannon, but I know that there is a, uh, a trope out there for women not knowing what they want to eat. And I can attribute to that <laughs> where like we go, what do you want to eat? We can have anything. Like, let, let's get Uber Eats. You can have anything. And then it becomes, well, do you want this? And I am usually okay to eat anything, but I will eat anything she picks. The first thing she says, I will say yes, because I just want the choice to be made. But if I make a choice, she probably won't want it. And that's why my go-to is always, let's get burgers. I'm happy with a burger. Burgers are awesome. But she'll go, I don't want a burger. Well, then you have to pick something. <laughs> that is a good play. That's the play. I've made my suggestion. Now it's up to you. If you don't like the suggestion and she knows what I'm going to suggest before I suggest it because I've made it my thing. And if I get my thing, I'm fine. In fact, there are times where I go, burgers. And she goes, yeah, all right. I'm shocked. Like, oh, wait, we're actually doing that? I just say that, but no, I'm actually happy. Are there any times where you're like, oh, no, wait, I don't want burgers tonight. I just thought you would say something different. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just the thing I say so that you do the thinking. You're just looking at your burger going, I don't even know if I want this anymore. <laughs> it also depends on the way you get the burgers from. Because sometimes it might be like, yeah, let's get burgers, but let's get it from... I don't like Lord of the Wings. Have you heard that yeah. place? It's terrible. Yeah, most places where they base their name on a pun usually is. Yeah, yeah, I've learned that. <laughs> but yeah, there's other stuff there that she likes. But then I go, well, I've won, but like, what cost? Now I got to eat this stupid burger. But oh, have you tried Betty's Burgers? No. Oh, I think it's a chain because I believe there's more than one. Where uh, is it? Oh, the one that you know, at least. Uh, there's one at Indrapilly. I think there's one at, I want to say Newmarket or Ashgrove. Betty's Burgers. And there, I think there might be one in the valley. I think it's a chain. Oh, they're disgustingly horrible. That's what I love about it. They're like a grease ball, like a, an amazing, like, let's just put pickles and bacon and extra beef and like, oh my God, have you had Getter Burger? No, what's Getter Burger? You seem to be this burger connoisseur. Should we? We have done the Wikipedia page for burgers. We really should have, because you like a burger. Yeah, I'm surprised that if that's not your default suggestion, that when I go like, Garth, it's your pick, you're like, huh, burgers. Yeah, I should have just <laughs> said that without thinking. <laughs> and then it would have been like every second Wikipedia page we reviewed would have been the Wikipedia page for burger. Some burger. I forgot something new to say. It's fine. <laughs> I can keep going. But yeah, no, get a burger. That is another chain. There's a lot of burger chains coming up. And I love these different places because there's always one burger that's like the Zeus mm. burger, like or something that's like the double huge. And it's... It's just beef and cheese and just so bad for you. The paper they wrap it in goes transparent. Yeah, like literally you have to figure out how to get the paper off. You can't do it in one wrap. It's shredding on it. Oh, and the barbecue. Oh, and just the, oh, and the onion. And oh, I will admit there are times that I just get in the mood for like just garbage. You don't yes. want anything healthy or anything that's good. You just want like that sugar and grease and salt. Yes. Can I just consume something bad? Yeah. Something that I know has shaved a little bit of time off my my life. But it's made me feel better very momentarily. Oh, there's a place. I can't remember its name, but it's like a 50s diner kind of style. It's onion rings put me in a coma. Like when you get it, the onion rings, it's like a scroll. It's mm. not one ring. It's like a filled in circle of like circular onion rings. And it comes in a cardboard box. And when you get it home, that cardboard box, the grease has gone through the cardboard <laughs> and through the bag. It's now eating through the container. Yes, nothing can contain it. And you eat it. And at first you get that itis where you're like, oh, oh, that's probably not good for me. And then you're just out. <laughs> it's incredible. Like you can feel it killing you. When you eat something that's like horrible for you and you eat too much of it, that feeling right before you hate yourself is an awesome some feeling oh the euphoria <laughs> before the stroke yeah oh it's great i live for that yeah or i i live less because of that 
one way or the other. Because I know KFC is one for me that if I eat too much of, I'll definitely do it if it's in front of me. But then I sit there and just go, you're disgusting, Ben. You shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) There's always a self-loathing that comes after you've eaten too much KFC because it's too unhealthy. You shouldn't have binged on that. Because like Macca's is bad for you, but it's like plastic. It's like eating (laughs) plastic. Whereas KFC, that will do something to you and you feel it the next day. It's so good going in, so bad coming out. Because there's also like a debate that I hear with some people, Hungry Jacks or McDonald's, which one people see as their preference, who makes the better food. And I think the thing is, is like, like you said, McDonald's, it's plastic. I think Hungry Jacks, it's still plasticky, but it tastes too much like real food. Mm. Well, you can get a greasy burger from Hungry Jacks. Like when you take it out of the wrapper, there's some grease, there's some liquid in there. Whereas a Macca's burger is always dry because <laughs> it's made out of plaster of Paris. Yeah. It's plastic cheese on a plaster of Paris with like what is essentially a jelly sauce. Whereas Hungry Jacks, they broil that. That has that grease in it. It's inherent. There's mayonnaise spilling down your hand as you eat it. When you bite in it, you can see a well of liquid inside the meat. Yeah, I think McDonald's is legitimately the only place that if you had like a genuine McDonald's cheeseburger sitting next to a plastic McDonald's cheeseburger, could not tell the difference. Even if I had a couple of bites, You'd still I would still be unsure. Like, it's bad for you. It's not healthy. But you can eat the whole way through and be like, all right, well, I did that. I don't know if I liked it, but I ate. <laughs> I got it done. I've done that now. Because this thing, I don't even think McDonald's is good or bad. It's just McDonald's. For the record, it is really bad for you. Oh, no. Like, I mean, like, whether I like it or dislike it. Yeah. Oh, no, I know it's bad for you. Mm. But I don't know whether I like it or don't like it. It's just McDonald's. Mm. It's a very familiar taste. Mm. It's easy. It's convenient. It's relatively affordable. It's something that I don't want to cook. Can you just fill the void so that I can say I've eaten? Then I can do other stuff. Yeah. I know what I'm getting when I get a Big Mac. But KFC, that'll end your plans. KFC will throw you. I can eat Hungry Jacks and like hate myself afterwards, but then do things. KFC, that's it. I'm done for the day. Also, it takes longer to get chicken. Like if you go to a KFC drive-thru or even a Red Rooster drive-thru, they're always like packed and it takes ages. Yeah, the system's not as efficient the way they do it. Whereas Macca's, they've got an actual system. They'll put you in a waiting bay and they get things moving. But yeah, I think maybe it takes longer to cook chicken. I don't know. I know. Yeah, KFC, I always get like frustrated at like how long it's taking and then I see the person who's making my food is like some 14 year old kid and it's like mm. yeah probably haven't got high hopes to get out of here quick but still that first bite mm. oh when you get into it like you can just feel the calories sinking into you the nitrates you're just like oh that is just beautiful <laughs> I'm in chicken high now though I reckon one thing that they need to work on at KFC is making sure they include the sauce in the bag yes just throw a random one in there just throw in sauces because you get the stuff and you've been waiting this line so long and you know everyone's behind you waiting just as long and they're like here's your stuff you have to stop and check that bag Marcus is okay at it but you're still like if ever I get hot cakes you got to make sure they've got two butters in there I know with the McDonald's I used to have one near my house that had a problem where I would get the apple pies and it was literally like half the time they would forget to add the apple pie into my order and I wouldn't check till I get home and I'm not going back I'm lazy that's why I got McDonald's in tonight. the first place <laughs> you think I'm making a second trip anywhere for a, what a dollar apple pie that's my bad they won that round so then it got to the point where every time I got it I'd have to check that my apple pie was in there and be like yo where's the apple pie but then it got to a point where I think they had got so much complaints where every time you went in there 
and you got an apple pie, they'd hand you the bag and go, apple pie is in the bag. <laughs> I had a similar thing with getting ice lattes because we would get cream added on top. This is something that Ali and I would do, get a coffee and we go ice latte, cream on top because I put whipped cream because I'm getting a Macca's coffee. I'm not here to be healthy. This isn't a sweet espresso shot. I want you to put that cream on top. But there was something wrong with the ordering because they'd bring it out to you because sometimes they make you wait in the bay. Then they bring the drink out and you go, there's no cream on top. I asked for cream on top and they have to take it back. And that would happen 50 to 90% of the time. Oh my God. And sometimes they charge you extra for the cream. Usually it does cost extra to get the cream on top, which is just a... Like, like, why is that extra? But anyways, I digress. <laughs> a different topic altogether. D- different rant for a different podcast when we're doing the Wikipedia page for whipped cream or whatever, instead of burgers, which we're doing right now, or whatever we're doing. But something happened, and then from then on, it was just always whipped cream. Like, I think they changed how the order worked, and I feel like it was us. You know what I mean? Like, you have complained so many and made such a big deal that all of McDonald's bent to your will. Like, the apple pie is in the bag. It's called the Ben Clause, or the Graw Clause. Yeah, it's the guy who keeps stopping. I'm gonna check his bag to make sure the apple pie's there. And they've got the whipped garth law. <laughs> they go, oh, you gotta make sure that the whipped cream's on the ice latte. Always check, tap the sign. But I always feel McDonald's would be on that stuff. They're all about systems. They want to make sure it's efficient. Like, that's why, like, okay, when they get here, okay, they've waited too long there, make them park around, and then everything works out. Whereas KFC is like, we will get to you when we get to you. You know why? Because you're addicted to our food. Yeah, I don't think, like, the owners of KFC got people out on, like, a basketball court to rehearse, like, (laughs) how to work in the restaurant. Yeah, no, they did not. They're just like, look, they're pieces of an animal. Shove them in a deep fryer and give them to people. It'll get there when it gets there. Let's not overthink this. I don't even know if the McDonald's guys did that either. I just saw it in the movie The Founder. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I just assumed, well, why would they lie to us in the movie? Why would you lie to us through movie? Yeah, biopics never lie. Exactly. <laughs> They're basically documentaries. And I think with McDonald's, like we originally said, it's just plastic. If you waited any longer, you'd be like, I'm not going through that. This is just, so they like, get them in, get them out. As long as the system works, people will keep coming back because our food really is nothing. Whereas KFC, that's like a drug dealer. You're like, no, I need my fix. I'm about to go through something so I can wait in the drive-thru because when I get home, like, I'm going to be stuck on the couch and I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm essentially buying heroin chicken. That's what I think I'm saying here. (laughs) I'm going to a heroin dealer, but it's like chicken heroin. You're like, can I get my 12-piece? And then you go home and inject it. (laughs) And you wake up the next day with drool on you and you're kind of sweaty when you go up and down stairs. I know there is that weird fact with McDonald's, though, is if you ever find, like, a cheeseburger wrapper that was in your car or something like that and it's been there for like months and there's a little bit of cheese still stuck to it there is no mold on that cheese it looks the same as the day you bought it basically yeah it lasts forever it's plastic (laughs) i always wondered there would be a good idea for a little time lapse video where you get like all these different foods around and the center is like quarter pounder and you just time lapse it and just watch everything rot and (laughs) just this if anything it gets shinier (laughs) i think that would look cool just watching like all this fruit and like other meats just like rotting around it. I'm pretty sure someone would have done that. If you Google it, it probably exists. There is enough people who hate McDonald's like as a corporation that they would make that. But the question is, is that disgusting or is that 
good. Well, it's just preservatives. So. Yeah, but it's like the idea of like, if someone could invent a food that never went off, then wouldn't that be a good thing, not a bad thing? It's a good thing in one way, it's a bad thing in another. It's a hint that it's really bad for you. Like McDonald's became big and popular about the time that people thought there was going to be a nuclear winter and you're going to be stuck in your bomb shelter for a long time. Just stock up on cheeseburgers. Yeah, like in the 50s, they're like, well, this lasts forever. That's a good thing, right? Whereas we're coming out of that now and we're like, well, no, no, no. You need to buy food that gets off like an hour after you get home from the grocery store. If your bananas aren't rotten by the time you get home, they're not good for you. Well, so we just have to buy all this disposable food. Yep, that's right. That's the only thing you're allowed to eat anymore. So yeah, I think it's great because like we all have cans of baked beans just sitting there. How long has those baked beans been in your pantry? They last forever. They're in a can. They're filled with salt. They're not good for you, but that'll do. It's fine. Baked beans is one of those things that it's not anybody's favorite food, but everybody has a can of it in their cupboard. I mean, I know I have baked beans. So do I. Don't well, remember last time I ate them, but yeah, I know they're there. They're there when you need them. They're an emergency for when you need something. Or the great emergency food that we all seem to have in our cupboards is noodles as well. Yes. Magi noodle type things. Magi noodles. Or, Two minute noodles. Or spaghetti or baked bean tins. Because tins last forever and noodles last forever as well. Did you ever like when they did those like baked beans with the little sausages in them? Oh, it's so bad. I loved it. <laughs> Not only the little sausages, but also meatballs. With the spaghetti, I saw that one. I didn't like the spaghetti and meatballs as much. Oh, the meatballs are disgusting. And those sausages, there's something really bad about them. Did you like them or? I did like the little sausages. It was something that- I feel guilty about saying that though. That's the weird thing. I feel like I shouldn't be admitting that on a podcast. No, that's a good feeling to have. It shows that you're aware of your surroundings, Ben. <laughs> I did go through a stage where like, essentially it's a stage. I was poor. So I went through a stage where I ate a lot of baked beans and spaghettis out of tins for a very prolonged period of time. And Ali would look at me and I got those ones, the sausage ones, because I'd look at it and like, it's the same with fast food. I just love bad things. And so I'm like, oh, it's spaghetti with sausages. And she's like, that is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. And she's absolutely right. They are horrible. And as I eat them, I'm like, this is horrible. I love it. <laughs> I can't describe it better than that. I wish I could, but it's just something about how like, you know it's a bad idea. You don't put sausages in cans. <laughs> there's something fundamentally flawed with that. So you know there's something really wrong with it. And I just have to experience that. What's your feeling on spam? You know what? I'm not actually, I haven't had a lot of spam in my time. But would you eat it if it was on offer? Some people are kind of creeped out by ham in a can. Yeah. I Personally, th- I fall into the a bit creeped out by ham in a can. I don't know if I could eat it. Well, I've never bought it. There's a hint. I reckon I probably eat it, be fine with it, provided you didn't tell me what it was. Yeah. Like, I remember the ads, you know, where they'd say spam burger. And like, well, you can't have it as a burger. That's weird. It's the sort of thing that you can either eat cold or hot. It's just a burst sausage, really. It's a sausage without the skin. As long as I don't have to look at or touch the jelly on top, I think I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, the jelly is the off-putting part. Because when you look at that, yeah, well, that's... That's that- the first thing you see when you open the can, too. Yeah, that's horrible. It's just like this clump of jelly on top. And you're just like, what is that? That's. Uh, am I meant to eat that? Because I don't want to. I'll tell you what it is. It's bone melted down. That question was rhetorical. I didn't actually want an answer to that. Well, that's actually all jelly. Like, you know, airplane jelly, like tasty jelly. In fact, anything that has jelly in it, that's bone. I thought it was basically just sugar. No, no. Technically, it's hooves. Oh, really? Yeah, jelly. Because it's gelatine. It's like raspberry jelly. 
Oh, there's a lot of sugar in raspberry jelly, but the thing that makes it gel, the actual mm. jelly part, not the sweet part, the thing that makes it stand up is like hooves and bone. See, I thought that would have been an olden day stuff. I just thought these days it was just chemicals. I stand to be corrected, but you can smell it. If you ever get actual gelatin- It smells like horses. Yeah, well, horse, well they're, they're hooves. It smells like bone. When you get gelatine sheets and like, you know, when people say, I oh, just put some gelatine in something, not jelly, gelatine, and you smell it and it's kind of off-putting. It's it's a bad smell and it smells like bone broth. Oh. But maybe this is just my weird self. I like to think that too, that isn't everything just made of chemicals now? Yeah, I just assume that most like sweet things, I just assume are 90% chemicals. Because that's a nice thought. Like, oh, it's okay. No, the scientists handled it. It's probably fine. Like if you bought a Twinkie, there's nothing real in that, right? <laughs> like the cream in that is not cream. It didn't come from any animal. Everything had to come from, I think it all came from plants. The plants question mark I at some stage, a test tube. but yeah, like oh, it probably went through a test tube, <laughs> but like not the plants you think. Well, first off, most things have palm oil in them. That's mm. apparently the secret ingredient in all foods is killing orangutans. That's how you make most things. It's cheap. It's affordable. Oh well, that, that's kind of difficult now. What do I like better, orangutans or all food? I know. Well, if you had to pick, right? And you yeah. can only pick one. <laughs> I mean, sorry, orangutans, but I really like food. You're essentially making it me or them. Because, look, I could probably go a week without orangutans pretty easily. I cannot go a week without food. You're <laughs> no. absolutely right on that. Well, you look this monkey in the eye and you tell it that you're okay with it dying. Monkey, I'm hungry. But then I'm probably just going to end up, like, eating the orangutan because now there's an <laughs> excess of orangutans. Because it's all these palms for them. I won't eat your environment, but I will eat you. <laughs> I'm eating something. Ah, actually, uh, Dara Lee just announced that they're now palm oil free. Really? That's the thing? Do you know about palm oil and that? Is this new to you or are you aware of this? Yeah, I only heard about it right now. Oh, okay. All right. So there's this thing called palm oil and it's in everything because it's really cheap. They need oils and sugars to go in everything. Sugar got replaced with corn syrup a long time ago, specifically in America, because it's the cheaper form of sugar. But it's basically the same thing, but they get to claim it's not sugar. But palm oil is in everything because you need an oil in something. And it's mainly grown in like Indonesia. I want to say also Malaysia, like third world Southeast Asia. Where you get all the cheap stuff from. They specifically decided that countries were going to look, we're a poor country. We have lots of land. Some people call it an orangutan habitat or <laughs> jungle, but it's our land. We own it. So what we're going to do is we're just going to bulldoze it all down and we're going to grow nothing but palm oil trees. And they sell it really cheaply. It is the cheapest thing to buy. So that's why every company uses it for all their food because a third world country is like we do not care about the environment <laughs> and we do not pay fair labor wages it's the nike shoe factory of food it's like we're paying these people a dollar a week to wipe out endangered species welcome <laughs> to the third world <laughs> <laughs> could we enhance your experience by killing an endangered animal in any way for you no i just wanted to eat a tim tam what the hell like imagine this guy who's just like look for 50 bucks i'll wipe out the orangutan for you. No, no, we don't. That's the opposite. Are you sure? Oh, well, in that case, for a hundred bucks, I won't. <laughs> They're playing hardball. Oh, wow, these guys are marketing geniuses. But it's their land. They can do what they want. I remember hearing a scam where there was a girl in one of those third world countries who would have like an owl. Okay. And she would say that it was going to be like killed for some ceremony, but offered to sell it to tourists. Oh, that's genius. And so the tourists would want to buy the owl so they could just release it into the wild and spare its life so it could have a good life. 
But, but it was a trained owl that kept coming back to her and she sold it every day. Oh, that's genius. So, yeah, if you're ever in one of those third world countries, don't go buying any owls. They're going to eat it anyways. But yeah, so palm oil is so commonly used in food, you cannot go a day without eating palm oil. That's another problem that we need to deal with on top of everything. Like the fact that it's in everything, like you shouldn't be eating it to begin with, but they put it in everything. So I shouldn't be eating it, but now I've started eating it. I shouldn't stop. Yeah, the, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I feel like you make a great point. Like what if you go into shock from not eating it? What if your body is dependent on palm oil and you're dependent now? You need to get oil shots. <laughs> That's a crazy thing. You might not know what you're addicted to because they've just been like sneaking it into your food. There's all kinds of like weird preservatives, coloring and oils and greases and stuff. You don't even know, but it's just in everything. Because you might be addicted to purple coloring. I know I'm addicted to purple coloring. <laughs> Me specifically. You, <laughs> yes. you know I'm addicted to that. You do like purple. Purple's good. It's awesome. It tastes great. Purple is a pretty strong flavor. It is a good flavor. It's always a good flavor. Most of the time, purple's going to be like grape. But I always find it funny because with the flavors like grape, it doesn't actually taste like grapes. Yeah. And it tastes very specifically like grape flavor. Which I'm very thankful for. But I also like the blackcurrant flavor. Blackcurrant. Which is the, the other Ribena. Purple. It's the same with like a uh, banana. Lolly banana doesn't taste anything like a banana. But you like it. Apparently, it's based on a banana that's now extinct. So there was a banana that tasted like those banana lollies? I doubt it because I've tasted their idea of what a strawberry is. Lolly strawberries don't taste like strawberries. So it probably tastes, you know, it is to strawberry as it is to banana. I think probably the worst flavoring is cherry. Yeah, there's something wrong with cherry. I like cherries themselves. Yeah, they're cool. But what happens when they try to make it a lolly? What are they doing? I think it's just like, they're like, well, how do you make a cherry? I don't know. Just keep adding cinnamon till they say it tastes like cherry. Because it hurts. It's horrible and it's bad and it's like an off taste. That's like every now and then they try and push that cherry Coke. And we do not and take it. it does not go well. Americans love that apparently. Dr. Pepper is also a very cherry flavor. Yeah, that's what I, I never got into that. Which it tastes like medicine. Why would you do that? I do have a theory about that where in America, they got all that cherry flavored soft drink very early. So then when they started making flavored medicine, they're like, look, cherry's a good flavor. Everyone likes that. Let's flavor it like that. But then we didn't get cherry Coke out here. We got the medicines first. And so by the time we got cherry Coke, we're like, this we are- just tastes like medicine. But medicine was just trying to imitate that flavor. So I think that's why I never like Dr. Pepper because every time I sip it, it makes me remember the cough syrup I had when I was a kid. And I didn't like it then and I don't like it now. Yeah, because you felt bad because you were sick. Very similar thing happened with chocolate. In fact, this is worldwide chocolate. I saw a thing about the Hershey guy. He invented chocolate as we know it today. No, good for him. Because, I mean, we all know that the Incas had chocolate, but have you ever tasted like pure cocoa chocolate? That 99% bitter, like this isn't even food. Why would you feed this to someone, let alone think it's better than actual milk chocolate. Yeah, that cacao. Yeah, that crap. (laughs) (laughs) But Hershey invented milk chocolate as we know it today, I should say. It existed in Europe and he wanted to bring it over. But he had this idea because usually they'd make it out of, I believe, powdered milk or condensed milk. And that's how you add the milk into chocolate to make it like a smooth taste. And it was a smooth, beautiful taste. But he was convinced that it had to be fresh milk. I don't, no, no, no. We don't use condensed milk. We don't use powdered milk. None of this. No factories, guys. We're going to use cow's milk. 
milk. And he had this whole plan of like, I'm gonna, chocolate's going to sell everywhere. But he hadn't figured out how to, because you can't do that. You can't actually fuse regular milk in with chocolate. It doesn't mix. It's an oil and a fat. They don't mix is my understanding. But he knew that in the marketing scheme, when you sell it, if you put a picture of a cow on it, then people are like, oh, it's like from a farm. It's good for you. Yeah, good. Chocolate is healthy for you. Genius. So he found this guy who eventually was like a chemist who figured out how to do it. The problem is when you mix fresh milk in with chocolate, it sours the milk. And here's the surprising part. He never fixed that. When you taste chocolate, there's a little bit of bitterness in it. That's sour milk. He just went, no, that'll do. And because Americans had never tried the actual chocolate before, they never tasted that sweet, creamy, like, like a Kinder Surprise is a good example. They never had that. So they ate it, but it's sugar and it's a chocolate. So they just thought that that bitter taste was a part of it to the point that now when they make chocolate, they don't use fresh milk anymore, but they put a bitter taste into chocolate because that's what we think chocolate tastes like. So he made it wrong and everyone just went, yeah, let's just do this. See, I'm able to say a sentence that I don't think that you would ever expect to hear from me of all people. I'll strap my seatbelt on for this one. Yeah, which is, I actually learned recently how to make raw vegan chocolate. (laughs) Like on purpose? (laughs) Accidentally? There are so many questions in my head right now. Like why? What? You? I know someone who's a raw vegan and I saw them making it and it was quite simple and I'm just like, ah, show me how to do that. Because it's interesting. You don't cook anything. Did you say they're a raw vegan? Raw vegan. Does that mean they don't eat cooked things? Yeah, not cooked things. They can eat broccoli if you don't cook it. Okay, I'm just going to like pass on that. I don't want to get into why that's an issue. And I know that they probably think they know better than me. And I am so arrogant as to think I know better than them. But let's just pass on the whole raw part. I just want to make sure that they just eat raw things. Okay, that's a life choice. You make that. That's not how humans got to be humans. That's not why we're the dominant species. That's not how you make a big brain. Anyways, that's my problem and I will (laughs) deal with that. So there's V. Vegan chocolate. Yes. And they make it. Yes. Without cooking anything. Without cooking anything. How do you get chocolate without cooking? Well, you start with a cacao powder. Okay, so you can get the cacao and you can grind it to a powder. Yes. That's not cooking? No. Is cooking only using, like, heat? Yeah, you can't heat it. You can use a little bit of heat, but the limit is how much heat it would get from the sun naturally. So you can't give it, like, say, as much heat as would kill any bugs or germs in it? No. Okay, just for the health reasons, I just wanted to check that. But can you freeze things? Freezing is fine. And dehydrating is fine. How do they dehydrate it? By putting it out in the sun? No, with, like, a, uh, a hydrator. Okay. Yeah, hydrator. So they by blowing hot air on it. I assume that's, that's how a dehydrator works yes yeah me too that's what i assume yeah because my mom had one of those okay so the rules are it can't get too hot but if you can freeze it it can be cold you can dry it out you can have like dry heat on it but like you get in the desert not like but you can cook some meat in the desert if you put it on a rock is that okay like Ooh, some... I, I don't know now you're going into like the nitpicky technicalities you knew i was going we'll have to. to have like an interview with them or something like i that, would or... love this an interview with a raw vegan yes i just learned this existed because I'm trying to be open-minded. No, I'm not. I'm trying to be as cynical as possible. But when I heard the idea, I had to fight back. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But I don't know the facts. 
they could have a very good reason for this and it could be a very good thing to do and I should probably do it. It'd probably be healthy for me to do it. I'm trying to think of like the reason because I know there was something about when you cook it, the enzymes break down. Well, yeah, it makes it faster to absorb into the body so that you can consume enough calories to sustain the human brain. I mean, this person's still alive. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, okay, like, you know how, like, a sheep will eat grass and, like, uh, a lion will eat raw meat? They're as smart as a sheep or a lion. But humans, like, built, like, houses and space rockets and stuff and and we can use computers and we know how to, like, function a toilet and we're not scared of vacuum cleaners? Mm. That's because we cook our meat. But also that said, like, I know I was having a conversation with this person about it while I'm standing at the top of the stairs panting and they're fine. Yeah, then there's that. (laughs) Which I I guess there is the argument that we have gone... Like, I get enough calories. We were just talking about eating Hungry Jack's, McDonald's and KFC. We get enough calories. This might be a great way of slowing that down because we really don't need it. (laughs) Like, maybe you do need those calories when you're young. And I suppose, to be fair, like, most of it comes in, like, uh, milk. You know, mother's milk. And that's room temperature. Can't you basically get food and pill form these days like aren't there enough vitamins and stuff where could you just survive off vitamins well first off no one can survive off vitamins because vitamins are a scam there is no medical proof that vitamins do anything for anyone they're just I thought pills it was, they can do it but your body caps out like if you take the vitamin c tablets or something like that your body will take like a one percent of that and store that vitamin c and the rest just gets flushed out through your urine because it doesn't need that it doesn't stockpile vitamin c that's not well, how it vitamin only, C works. Yeah, it only takes in as much as it would normally take in from anything. But you don't live on vitamins. You live on calories. Can no, I take a calorie pill? Yeah, it's called sugar. <laughs> then but, why can't I survive on sugar? I guess I do. Wow, you can really live an unhealthy lifestyle and still survive well. Yeah, that's what everyone does. The only reason it's unhealthy, and like sugar is because of the way it gets broken down, the way it's formed. It, preservatives are bad because that's what holds things together and keeps things going because they don't break down inside you, blah, 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 blah. But we're all dying and all you're doing is having too much of something. I watch a lot of survival shows. You know I love survival shows. And all they're doing is slowly starving. And you watch them out in the wild. All they do is like, I need to get protein and I need to get calories in me. That's protein keeps you going, allows you to body to build stuff and calories keeps you from like starving. And they're in dire need. So they eat like a fish every second day and then they lose weight. Whereas we're in maximum surplus. I do like the idea that me and someone in tremendous shape could be like, left in the wilderness and they would starve to death before me. It is a good thing to do. Yeah, because they their body chews through more and it's used to it, whereas you've got all these like deposits. And plus, if they're that healthy, I have no fear that they're going to kill me and eat me because I'm going to be like too oily and salty for them. Yeah, they'll probably it's- be sick off you. I'm inedible. Yeah, they'll just take a bite of me and go, wow, that is really sweet. I've mentioned this before where if we eat meat, we eat the meat of animals that eat plants. You don't eat meat that eats meat. So your raw vegan friend is essentially a cow to me. (laughs) So you can eat them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's okay. Vegans don't really have much meat on them though. Yeah, no, it's not worth it. Once you skin them and everything. Okay, back to making raw vegan chocolate because there is something I want to add to the end of this just to be an asshole. But uh, (laughs) okay, so you take raw cocoa powder. What do you mix that with to make chocolate? Coconut sugar and coconut oil. Coconut sugar. Yes. And you mix those things together and that makes chocolate, you're saying? Yes. And then you put it in the freezer, which is the opposite of cooking. Yes. Again, as I've explained, is allowed. That's part of their rules. And hey, I I only (laughs) ask because it's a curious system. It seemed very arbitrary. (laughs) Like we just don't like things 
things getting too hot. Did the inventor of raw veganism burn their mouth on a pie? Is that how Possibly. it all started? Like they just went, ow, my mouth is sore. I that don't know whether it was the meat or the heat, but it's both got to go. I want to be safe. I don't want this to ever happen again, just to be safe. <laughs> all meats and hot things gone. I feel like it's almost like we should set up like a trial for you to try some raw vegan chocolate. Like I'll crack you out a batch. Cause I'm just going to say like, might taste great. Knowing vegan stuff probably doesn't, but that's not chocolate. I know that's no, not it's chocolate. raw vegan chocolate. That's like saying, hey, you want some not chocolate? As soon as someone says like vegetarian or vegan something, it's not that thing. Yeah. It's like if they say vegetarian hamburgers. It's like, it's not a hamburger because a hamburger is meat. I used to watch a show, Cupcake Wars, which is, as you'd imagine, just a reality show where people who make cupcakes go and make cupcakes and compete. And every now and again, they get the vegan chef in who's like, yeah, I do all vegan cupcakes. And every time they get judged, they go, you know, this is all right for a vegan cupcake. <laughs> they never say it's good it has to be classed as well you are doing not a cupcake for not a cupcake this is all right these other two contestants they made cupcakes but yours is very good for not a cupcake so the one thing that does get to me about some of those vegetarian diets is the amount you've got to eat i don't actually like eating large quantities mm -hmm. i like something dense and meat is as dense as it gets like a burger is a good one i like the idea that i finish the burger mm -hmm. i feel full meat and cheese that's all you need to fill up a belly and it takes very little of it or fudge that can fill you up real quick but i could eat so much salad i just get tired of eating i don't feel full yeah when you see like a vegetarian with a bucket of salad it's just like wow you're really eating that it's like i guess to keep up the calories you just got to keep on keeping on through it but yeah no i saw this thing that technically the amount of fruits that aren't vegan because they use the labor of bees Huh. Yeah, this is, a, this is a real thing. Avocados are not vegan. Specifically because like if a bee did it by its own accord, that would be okay. But the problem is they put beehives on the back of a truck and they drive it into the avocado fields. And then because they brought the bees to the avocado field and then the bees are there to pollinate and then they take the honey, that's not vegan. An avocado is not vegan by that definition. And I just feel that if someone's a raw vegan, they're like level five or six vegan, like they're above vegan. Vegan, Like they look down on regular vegans like, oh, you know, I don't eat meat or any animal base. Like I wouldn't touch honey or milk, but I see you've got an oven over there. Well, I'm a raw vegan. I'm just, you know, look, I'm just a little more aware of my surroundings than you. Like, like that would be a total, like put the nose up to other vegans. I do like when someone says that they got a food habit like that, like raw vegan, where there's almost like you treat it like now they've created an obligation for themselves. Yeah. Where it's like, well, do you do this? Because that would contradict your moral. It's almost like you're trying to pull apart their thing where it's like almost like you want them to go like, oh my God, I've been wrong this whole time. Someone give me a cheeseburger. <laughs> Which, I mean, if they did do that, wouldn't you be like, oh my God, I won. But you'd feel like you just like, I just did something. I accomplished something. I, I mean, if you've been a raw vegan for a lot of your life and someone gave you a McDonald's cheeseburger, I'm pretty sure you would die. Oh yeah. Well, there you, is no way your body would be able to take that. You would be very, very sick. And I do know people who have been a vegetarian a long time and they eat meat and they do get sick because the body's not used to it. They don't know what to do with all that. Because they hyper taste all this grease and salt. 
Oh, actually, we are getting, like, quite a fair bit of the way through the episode. And there is one thing I would like to do before we wrap up this episode is maybe let's look at the Wikipedia page for Comedian for a minute. Because I think we did that, got sidetracked. It's another one of those episodes where we said we were going to do something. Yeah. Like, which even comes back to the topic we were saying before of how we debate about what the topic we were going to do. And why do we even debate it? It doesn't matter. You had a list of, like, all these things. It could be this, it could be this. Like, you could have picked any one of them, dude. It wouldn't have made a lick of difference. We were just going to talk about burgers anyways. Yeah, I was still going to talk about Carrot Top either way. Because we did have a quick view over this, and it has a list of the great comedians in order uh by money which is the only way to measure a comedian's success that is absolutely true anything artistic can only be measured in a dollar format and so it's the highest paid comedians and number one at 87.5 million dollars is that annually yep us too or is that oh yeah annual earnings kevin hart boom yeah he works hard the jumanji guy not the good jumanji the other two (laughs) and you can say that about a lot of movies he's in i did see jumanji is it jumanji Three? Technically, it's the second, second lot of Jumanji's, but it's the third Jumanji movie. Yeah, Jumanji 2 2. <laughs> yes. The one where he's playing Donald Glover, the yep. lethal weapon guy. Yes. And that's so the he one. plays an old man the whole time and he just takes forever to say things and, like, this is funny. It's like it was funny the first three times. This is getting tedious. I went in, I saw this movie recently because I had nothing else to do. And we sort of had that, like, well, it's not going to be good, but that'll fill in some time. Let's watch that. And I believe the entire premise was based on Kevin Hart can do a Danny Glover impersonation because The Rock cannot do a Danny DeVito and no one else could and it was actually really awkward because only Kevin Hart could do a Danny Glover and it, it's actually just his old black man impression or just an old man impression I've seen his stand up he's used that impression before but now it's his Danny Glover but what was really messed up is that in the background you had Jack Black who suddenly had to be a black guy and that was like awkward I thought he did a good job at it though oh no it stood out to me like he you didn't he, like it the amount of times he went come on man and like i don't think the actual black actor guy that he was portraying said come on man that many times <laughs> it's like jack black was doing like this is how a black guy does it i'm like this is awkward for everyone then he had to change so suddenly he was a prissy girl he's like yeah. hello i'm like oh my he got the raw end of this stick <laughs> for some reason the rock did a jersey accent to be danny devito they were just like yeah close enough yeah is, are you gonna tell tell him I'm, I'm not saying anything to him He'll kick the crap out of me i do like kevin hart and the rock as a duo because i liked that cia movie that they did yep. that was good yeah the central intelligence yeah that was good but they went out of their way to make the rock a very funny character in that by making him oh, he used to be fat see he's earned it and they're fun together yeah but kevin hart did break the record for most money made in a stand-up show he beat eddie murphy oh wow filled out a stadium with the highest price tickets i guess i guess you can do that when you Kevin Hart because you're the highest paid comedian ever. That's how you get to be the highest paid comedian. But what's odd here is number two is Jerry Seinfeld. And is yeah. this like, is this from the 90s? Yeah, like when was this? How is this based? How he's is he 63 years old? Oh wow. He's doing very well for himself. I think he just gets into that retro market now. Like people are like, you used to do a thing. Like, is he getting royalties? Where's this money coming from? Or is this the year that he earned the most? How is Jerry Seinfeld earning 43 and a half million dollars a year? And yeah, how much of that is from stand-up shows and how much of that is from like movies and because Kevin Hart's doing movies
movies. If he gets paid like 30 mil for a movie, then... Yeah, he's done. Yeah. He can sit down and take a rest. I have no idea. And here's another question. Who's Terry Fater? And why is he the third greatest comedian? Like, shouldn't we have heard of him? Oh, he's a ventriloquist. Oh, he's like Jeff Dunham. He looks like Jeff Dunham. Is it Jeff Dunham? Does he have a dead terrorist? Is this telling us that a Jeff Dunham impersonator makes more money than Jeff Dunham? Well, how far down the list is Jeff Dunham? Is he on the list? Oh, no, he's he's number number five. five. So in between Jeff Dunham at five and a Jeff Dunham impersonator at three, that's just what I'm going to call him. He's probably really famous. But uh, in the middle is Amy Schumer. How does she make that much money? That's insane. You got Dave Chappelle is just under Jeff Dunham. And I could imagine Dave Chappelle sitting there going, wait, there are two ventriloquists that earn more money than me. Well, to be fair, that's a skill. Like, they tell jokes and have a skill. You just tell jokes, bro. Yeah, I think he's just happy that Key and Peele aren't on the list above him. Uh, and one thing I'm noticing here, because underneath Dave is Jim Gaffigan, who I love. I actually saw him when he came to Brisbane. Everyone before him, you've got Amy Schumer's got Trainwreck, Inside Amy Schumer. Uh, that Terry Fader guy was apparently on America's Got Talent, and now he makes $21 million. I don't know. Dave Chappelle's got Dave Chappelle's Block Party, Half-Baked, The Chappelle Show. Then it gets to Jim Gaffigan. All the credits they've given him are the names of... Of his stand-up comedy CDs. Huh. Uh, Mr. Universe, the, the Gaffigan show, it's kind of a funny story. He's in movies and stuff a little bit. Nothing notable, I guess, according to these people. But then uh, you've got Gabriel Iglesias, as we uh, mentioned before. Fluffy. He's got the same thing. Hot and fluffy. Yeah, he's funny, though. I like him. He is good. I do like him. Russell Peters is all right. He's been around for a while. Yeah, I haven't seen much of him. I'm aware of who he is, and I've seen him in things, but I haven't really seen him do stand-up. Yeah, he's another one like Jerry Seinfeld, where I'm just like, I mean, you were famous. It'd be like seeing Dane Cook on this list. <laughs> Where you're just like, really? At some point you would have been on this list. I'll grant it. But do you reckon Dane Cook and Carrot Top hang out and just like, what is it with everyone? I know. Do you reckon that they both like when someone brings out a camera where they just go, yeah, we'll just go our separate ways. We don't want to be in photos together. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be in a photo with you. You don't want to be one with me. me. We, it, we don't even help each other's credibility at this stage. Oh, that photo could possibly break apart the fabric of the universe. Well, one of the things that got Dane Cook was he was doing jokes that were ridiculously close to jokes that Louis C.K. had done oh, really? earlier. And so someone said, like, you're ripping off Louis C.K. And that was kind of like a career ender for him. Yeah, that would kill you. But then with what happened with Louis C.K., it's like, well, if he can't do those jokes, can we get Dane Cook back? <laughs> Which is really weird, though, because a lot of people put shit on, like, Dane Cook of, like, he's a crappy comedian. It's like, well, then you were just dissing Louis C.K. jokes, weren't you? I think they're talking about the jokes he did since... Because I honestly haven't seen him do any Louis C.K. jokes. Although, maybe it's the emphasis he puts on it. I've seen one of his specials, and I watched it the whole way through. I sat down and said, I know everyone puts crap on Dane Cook, but I'm giving this boy a chance. I'm going to do this. And it's not jokes. It's not humor. I mean, and it made sense because I could see the crowd. They kept panning to people. He's entertaining college students, like frat boys. He's like Russell Brand. Yeah, like not funny, but there's a lot of movement. He says things and does little sounds and moves around a lot. So you think something's happening. He really is the karate (laughs) of comedy, isn't he? Very flashy, but there's no actual substance. There's no jokes. The whole time he went for over an hour, there was not a single joke in there. Crowd seemed to like it. (laughs) That's their business. I mean, but they're a bunch of frat boy idiots. But I, I'm just jealous. I wish I could crack that market. Yeah, I would like a market of idiots. They tend to spend more money on things. 
you don't have to work as hard to please them. And you have John Bishop is down the bottom as number 10 here. He's the guy who's just lucky to make the list. John Bishop, former footballer. I do, uh. There's a picture of him. I do not know who that is. No, I've never seen him before. But he was made $7 million for comedy this year. See, you could be one of the most famous comedians in the world and still people don't know who you are. All right, well, we've gone through what is basically the bare minimum of what we can say we've covered on this page. Yep, we've, we've covered it totally and completely. We have missed nothing. I don't care what you're scrolling through. We've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of Laurel and Hardy at the top, but we talked about them in a previous episode, so just listen to that. Yeah, we covered it, all right? Yeah, yeah. There's no point in repeating ourselves. So, uh, what would you rate this page, Garth? Oh, my dear word. Uh, I'd have to rate it a carrot top out of a possible raw vegan chocolate <laughs> because it was carrot top, man. It was a prop comic. It's fine. It's good. It's fun. People didn't say it was good. You wouldn't look at this, and I, I can honestly say we didn't spend a lot of time on the page. No, not really. Which is a good indicator for uh, there's not really anything there but it was fine people ignore Carrot Top because they say he's not any good but then you look at it and you're like oh, actually there's some good stuff here there's you know like that uh, adage about a comic says funny things a comedian says things funny I learned about new comedians who are apparently the top 10 famous people uh, it was all there you just have to look but no one looks at Carrot Top Ben nobody checks Carrot Top out they don't give him a chance and it was out of a possible raw vegan chocolate because I'm still getting over that I'll make you some and then we'll see how you feel about it. Like, I'm sure it's fine. And I'm sure it's just, you know, when you hear new rules to something, you're like, that's a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. And I st I'm still trying to understand why it's a good thing and why I'm wrong. <laughs> that is the weird thing that like, when you know someone that's like raw vegan and they're just like, can't have this. And like, really? You can't have that? And it's just like, you don't know that like there's meat in it or there's something in it. Like I've heard a lot of people uh, describe if someone's Muslim, like how Muslim are you? He reads packages. That's how Muslim <laughs> is. He's like, see that? That's pork product. You can't eat it. It's got pork in it. I can't eat that. That's how Muslim-y you have to be to yeah. be a certified. Because they put pig in everything. Yeah, I've never read the ingredients on anything I've eaten. Yeah, because we just eat stuff. Because we're barbaric and disgusting. We just shove things in our mouth without question. I think the only thing that I've really read the health things and the ingredients on is cereal. But that's only because you need something to read while you're eating yes, cereal. It, it's just a stretch for entertainment. It's quite a stretch to be entertained, but yes. But also, you don't have any content for it? Because I've never read anything else. I only know cereal. Yeah, so... I only know in context to other cereal. Which, it's all loaded with sugar. So to you, like, I don't even know how much is a lot, but like, oh, 300 grams of uh, straight sugar? Well, that sounds pretty normal. All the other boxes say that. They're like, dude, that, that's how you get diabetes. Well, why do all the boxes say it then? Because you eat really unhealthily. And um, that's what I thought of the page. <laughs> what did you think, Ben? <laughs> yeah, that's what we were doing. I'm back to on that. <laughs> I don't know. Usually I think of like a clever number that's based on something we talked about on the page, but I don't know. Did we? I haven't got one. Um, there are eight letters in the word comedian. <laughs> Let's go with that. So we'll yeah, give it out of thing. eight. That's a thing. That's I a did thing. it. Hey, that is absolutely true. That, Ben, it's a thing. Um, And I'll give it a six out of eight because it taught me that Kevin Hart is funnier than Jerry Seinfeld. By a dollar amount, we can say. I would probably agree with that these days. Jerry Seinfeld had his time. Jerry Seinfeld had a show that he didn't even write. And his stand-up, he's from that old adage of the, like we said earlier, like Bill Hicks. He has a set. Mm. He does his set. He might adjust the set, but he always does the set. Because he 
doesn't really do a special where he releases the set and then has to come up with a new set. So if you've seen Jerry do his act, you've seen Jerry do his act. Kevin Hart, he pumped out so much. He keeps pumping it out. So long as Netflix is buying it, he's going to keep doing it. He's going to earn his like 80 something million. Oh, there you go. That was a number. I should have said that. It's too late. I already rated it. It's done. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no one cares. No one cares, especially you. 98 episodes. No one's been paying attention to the rating even once. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because did you know there's actually a secret code that Ben has been slowly releasing to you with those numbers? If you put all the numbers in sequence, it will make perfect sense. But you got to listen to every podcast and take both numbers from each podcast. It actually gives you a secret message. It's really hilarious. It is good. I've been working hard on it. He was in the long game for this one. He mm. knew it from day dot. It, it, it is incomplete at this point. So like the joke isn't completely complete yet. It's going to be episode 6920 when you'll get the full message. If uh, you put together all the ratings. But in the meantime, get those uh, numbers together and actually you can uh, email us or contact us to get your comments of what you think it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Because so far you've got enough information to put down the first six pages. We're writing a novel here. <laughs> we are. <laughs> this is like Harry Potter, but longer. <laughs> All right, so what else do we do? We've got to plug all the stuff. Okay, oh, you've you done rating? Yeah, I did the rating. Didn't I give it like a six or something? You did. I just, was there any commentary on that? No. No, no, we, we're done. We Fair spoke enough. about it. Okay, yeah. Email address is wikireviewpodcast at gmail.com. At some point, I will actually know that instead of asking you every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be like a celebration on episode 100. You'll be like, I learned the email address. <laughs> We've got the Facebook. Find us on Facebook. That's where good stuff happens. Yes, you can also find us on the Instagram and Twitter as well. Boom. You can also go to humidor.com.au to find all our stuff that's a good network to find everything got the YouTube channel which is Humidor and you can find all the details to that in the show notes to the episode as well well that's it for another episode it is I've been Garth Remington and we'll catch you on the next wiki review Find Humidor on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and at humidor.com.au. Theme is I Live for the Bass Drum by DJ Searle. All other music by Matt Graw.